Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series with Wayne Jordan and Mark O'Halloran, part two of two. My previous teaser promised revisions and collisions and the reading of Wayne's life backwards. And there is all that. But there is a new ground to be broken with new influences that inspires new work. And so we look forward and so we look outward. But there is no present without a past. And they examine the riddle of Ireland's adolescence, how we're learning who we really were, not who we thought we were. Enjoy this podcast. Do you think that Irish theatre has been in a way kind of sealed away from movements in European drama or... Uh, or, or Maybe a bit. Um, that's not necessarily how it feels now. Uh, perhaps in the big houses like here and the big houses, the two houses here, and A Tale of Two Houses, um, here and at the gate, uh, they, it can be a little bit removed from what you might think, certainly... Yeah, what well, you might think would be going on in 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 similar in national theatres in 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 European countries or even in Britain, uh, this the the scope and range. But then we're a very small country mm. with not an awful lot of money. That's well, certainly not an awful lot of money in the arts comparatively, even for our size. Um, so that has a huge effect. Um, uh, however, in in like project and uh, on the independent scene, I think people are definitely influenced by and engaging with the ideas that are existing in other in other in other um what like european places. I always think that um that Ireland in ways is is moving very quickly away from the received play the the, the playwright's vision of the world that is then interpreted and given out to but the in audience. In almost every way Ireland is in a kind of adolescence not just in the mm, arts. Yeah. Like we're learning who we really were not mm. who we thought we were and what we did or what our parents did. And also learning about who our pair, like who our forefathers were. I mean, in this time of commemorations, yeah, like or whatever you want to call them. And really, after the Ryan report and this particular economic crash, there's no looking around at what Ireland was and going. It was a great, like, Ireland, uh, like, you know, it was a Catholic fascist state for eighty years. Well, it you seems know, like every institution of the state, uh, or every yeah. institution within the state, yeah, was sullied by over the last that was caught over the last, yeah. 20 years there was nothing to left de- to believe in to a degree you know we look at what the uh, the idea of the Irish theatre was and even though lots of those playwrights were maybe I don't know were they calling out I think some of them were definitely calling out what was going on but there's, well, there's a sense of, of looking outward I mean the internet and like TV mm. and the, the the amount of kind of global information that's available now has certainly had a huge impact as well on, on what I mean you know you no longer when I was at university people didn't really go on the internet it was kind of it felt like it was still a bit of a fad um, and so you would read and hear about plays and then kind of imagine them and go see plays in the Abbey and stuff but I'm sure if you're in college now you can just watch a video of everything that they talk about and you've a much stronger sense of what you can be and who you can be and where you could be it um, so I do think we're expanding and growing in terms of our theatrical and artistic aesthetics very quickly uh, but I also but I think the country feels like it's going through a really painful adolescence and mm. I feel like that within the arts can be quite painful as well in a way because it's a, it's a period of not completely knowing who and what we are mm. does anybody ever really know I, I guess yeah, I guess it's, you'd it's be hard. alarmed if anybody felt they knew who they really were yeah right? yeah but I mean for instance you know coming to work in the Abbey here mm-hmm. um, it must have been a big move when you when you did it but I mean 
it it's a self-styled um, literary theatre. Yeah. And does that do, do, do you think about those things or do I haven't you... had a lot of truck with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I've done like the first play I did here was uh, a Marvo play, um, which was really quite unusual program, and we did a lot of. Uh, like not that we just had a lot of fun on it, but it was a good show. I really like La Dispute. It was a very interesting and exciting show. I became very, it became very apparent very quickly to me that the kind of work I wanted to make wouldn't have the kind of reception I felt that it should have. In me, like although that show did really well and was did really well critically, but it, I mean I felt that I was really looking at something really interesting. But people only really want to talk about plays often here, um. So uh, I did do a new play with um. Thomas Kilroy, who is a brilliant playwright and who I really, really loved working with. Although, but it was an adaptation of Spring Awakening, which is a very old play. Um, and the fact that that third play, that third, like, Vedicant existed as well as Tom and I made it really interesting to work on um, in, in terms of the way that I would like to work in the kinds of engagements with, the, like, theatre history and theatre making, or art history and, 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 and the making of any kind of art. That, like, so that was kind of, and I did one I did a play with Marina Carr, but then that was an engagement with Chekhov. So I've done one play, No Romance, (laughs) by Nancy Harris. That was an entirely new play in which I served the writer. That was my job. And and she's an old friend of mine and I really, really enjoyed directing it. Um, And I I would take on work with plays that I really like where I I kind of do it the way they want it to be in in terms of writing. But most of my work here has been about, or has been about, I guess what the Americans call revivals, mm. um, and but but I would like to call them revisions. I guess in a kind of way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, although I think that's the thing the Abbey is most successful at during the time that I've worked here, it hasn't really like, despite uh, all its best intentions and some interesting work, new writing that it's done, it hasn't really been. Uh, a leading light in new writing over the time that I've worked here. It's hard to know. I, I think that the way plays are being made is is is. I think that most new work these days is is about fragmentation, either in form or even just the way that they get made, and that the idea of the great play or the great written play seems to be lost or something. Does well, I mean, everything's a, like the the great or great written play will come back or go like you know that will be fine it will be fine if it's or if it needs to be it will be fine I I when I say I almost wrote a PhD I spent two years writing a PhD about this very thing uh, which is like fragmented form at the time in late like kind of 90s uh theater making but but really about that entire millenarian moment and and and, and I, it was about 2003 2004 when I left so it, so it was coming into very in the the early years of the the new millennium um and I was really interested in, I was writing about an idea really that that trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder had really become a cultural trope, like so that in the way in and a cultural trope that that had that was completely uh, had completely infiltrated and was understood in narrative forms. So in the way that in Shakespeare's time everybody understood that all the world's a stage. In our time, everybody understands that all the world's a trauma. And so in movies, say, for example, like Crash or Magnolia or uh, Shortcuts or you've got these fractured, dissociated uh, people throughout a city or a town or um, a place and they, 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 they can't get their lives together and they feel broken apart and through some other kind of whether it's the collisions of cars or the raining of frogs or, or you know, uh, they um, 
they are awoken to how to be a community again, like in a beaten up and bruised way. And and, and that, that narratives were following the form of how post-traumatic stress disorder which was being treated, which was that people were getting caught in cycles of trauma and they couldn't get out of them. They were just repeating. They couldn't connect with themselves. They were divorced from their own what to use an American word authenticity or sense of self and that the only way to get beyond that was to go through some new kind of uh, collision with the self or some new uh, ex- to, to, to some new challenge that, that, that helped you to, to kind of move beyond it or to revisit the trauma and, and win you know um, so uh, and I think that's true. I think the collision of kind of human, of accelerated human technology with a retarded human nature has created a, 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 a trauma in, in Western culture that we are playing out in our kind of, and in the theatre, it's, 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 they've literally, what used to be a kind of a, a unified, moving toward, there used to be a kind of, we used to move in a unified direction together, directors, writers, actors, toward one thing. Actually, now those things are all being split apart and, and, and pitted against each other and uh, broken up or refractured or collaged against each other. Um, and that's both an expression of who we are now and also an attempt to understand it. I think. Is it also that through, uh, with all that change that you talk about that's happening in, in the way that we make theatre, is that also why, why we see the, the ascendancy of the director, for instance? Like, years ago, it used to be a, a writer's vision or a writer's, or sometimes there was an actor-manager thing, but now we're in a, an, an age of the director, you know? Well, I mean... Mm-hmm. Yes, and not so much. Like, uh, I mean, compared to the kind of director's theatre that happens in in kind of, I guess, Germany or Belgium, or you know, we, we're pretty tame, and we really do follow what the what writers want, and even the dead writers, what the dead writers want, and certainly in the way in which I'm employed and have been um, dealt with in my career, the 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 text and the writer has been primary to my vision. Um, in, 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 in like and the name of the play as opposed to who I am um, has uh, for good for better or worse rather than to make a judgment on it um, has has been at the at this the front and center of the thing and really what people want to know is what play I want to do rather than what I want to do and that has caused that has been I think detrimental to my development development of other artists around me I, I have seen simply because we are at the well we're 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 underneath a lot of dead people in terms of other people's priorities mm. um but in another way i understand what you mean and i do think that uh directors are uh seem to be more central in lots of instances to the uh making and management of theatre. I mean, I feel like we've moved into an entirely new thing, which is the decade of, or the time of the curator. And uh, actually the curator has taken <laughs> like yeah. a, a, a more central role in the way in which things are organised. I always wondered you know. that th- th- with the way the technology is driving theatre making at the moment, that uh, th- th- the director has to step up, has got to be in charge of a lot more things. That, that that you know, there's there's so many more elements... I mean, I used to joke about all modern plays had microphones in them, but like there mm-hmm. is the technology is having a big in- impact on, on yeah. how f- plays are made. Yeah, I mean, in a, and in a great way. And actually, to be honest, though, in lots of my work, like like Threepenny Opera, which I made, had no miking in it, and we did it with a live band and and, and did everything. There was a little bit of bloom, but like effectively, it was it was done and 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 things like. Uh, 
Romeo and Juliet and Twelfth Night had almost no set and just the actors talking. And this production of Oedipus that I'm doing is almost there's a little bit of note giving in the sound design, but it's 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 almost entirely a cappella and just spoken and on a more or less empty stage, except for well, quite a lot of chairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that a lot of my work is a reaction to, to technology and actually and a, and a demand. Mom, a demand is demand the right verb, but. But it's it's an invitation to presence, mm. to being present in a room with your phone off, listening to language or mm. to utterance, you know, um, and 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 an invitation to 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 collectively imagine, you know. So so in that way, uh, that that's where I'm at with with, with the making of work. Yeah. But even in being there. I still have to manage. I'm still managing context. Actually, I'm managing the con, the, like how that exists in relation to technology. And mm. um, so, so yeah, I do think the director has to. St- but also, you know, we are looking at a. We live in a time where people are so l- uh, visually literate, like and 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 their their languages, like cinema languages, that that that, that like cinema and computer game and and advertisement and advertisement and uh, marketing languages are so well known that what you're looking at from out front is being read through a frame all mm. the time and somebody has to be managing it in a way that maybe wasn't the case a hundred years ago mm. you know uh, somebody has to be looking after what that what yeah. that what that is like and then and and then in a further way with 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 someone like our friend Bush McCarsell and his work or something the, the what he's doing is actually leaping out beyond the stage into another well we think in his new work <laughs> beyond the stage in, 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 in to, to try or or even Jose Miguel Jimenez or the, like um, to try and kind of well he's using media just in a, in a much more kind of advanced and and mm. and interactive way in the work and that that, that means that that you know the actor isn't necessarily as primary as he used to be. I also think that and maybe I'm completely wrong and actually I don't know exactly what I mean by it but that I think that modern playmakers are engaging with the place of the audience more. Yeah. What the audience brings to something. But I mean, I mean well, that happened in the, like, in all our forms in the, like, early and mid 20th century, mm. like early and mid 20th century with modernism when paintings became about painting yeah. and plays became about plays, <laughs> making yeah. of plays. Um, we were maybe a little late to that party. Yeah. Or maybe we weren't. Like, The Old Lady Says No um, is a play um by Dennis Johnson, Dennis Johnson's play is, is absolutely about uh, theatre making and, uh, and 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 playwriting, and and it's a play that's falling apart as it's being told, you know, mm. and 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 maybe even Brian Friel to a kind of in a in a, in a well, probably a lesser degree in some cases, but I'm sure it was very remarkable to many people at the time when he had he on stage narrators and and so on mm. like footnotes that were live talking to you <laughs> mm. through the play um, you know he, he's obviously or in my opinion deeply influenced by Thornton Wilder who, who was doing that kind of even earlier and in America um, so I suppose uh, the futurists as well but it's the thing that the theatre can offer it offers it offer it offers the experience of being noticeably alive and together in a room mm. in a way that the cinema can't do. Yeah. Because the cinema has really taken over kind of dramatic storytelling as a popular form. Um, tell but me again, like, I'm not an expert. I'm just someone who makes plays. Oh, yeah. Like, obviously, so I'm around plays maybe more than other people do, but I don't feel that I know the answer. I just am near it. Um, you, I think you, you're... you're um, I certainly... I don't know whether an audience would be aware of it, but the actors are very aware of... of uh, you're, you're a great actor's director. 
and um, I think you admire actors a lot. Well, I, I work in the theatre because I, I like acting so much. That's why I don't do another thing. Mm. Like, like write or, or make films or, you know, not that, of course, there are actors in films, but the actors are the front line. Certainly in my work, they, they're out there being extra alive, bearing their souls and trying to tell a story. And the thing that I fell in love with in the theatre and in performance was was actors. I just thought actors were amazing. And is there a certain type of actor that you that you that what is it what is it that that grabs you? In a, in yeah, a, women. Yeah. <laughs> actresses, actresses. Um, which is interesting, actually, given that Oedipus of all the Greek tragedies is the one that I chose to do. But um, uh, is there a particular actor that I, I like? No, people not who not, are, not a particular. No, I know, actor. like a particular kind of actor. Um, I like people who are creative, alive, playful. Irreverent, uh, really smart. Mm-hmm. They're the things that I like. I've worked with you how many times? Loads of times. <laughs> They're the things that I like, and I like. Uh, but you make exceptions. I do make exceptions. Yeah, <laughs> I like people to be bold. Uh, I mm. like people who have who've come to it in an interesting way. Mm. Um, I usually like people whose accents are. Uh, what's a good word like? Broad or, or um, not broad, but accents are. I like. I like to feel a voice. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, yeah. So there. I like. I like to learn. <laughs> like I like to learn all the time, and to learn about people, and to be around people that are surprising to me. Uh, so I try and cast people that I. The thing about you always cast people that you fancy in some way. What I mean by that is, is that you want to be around. You want to watch them all day. Yeah. You want like they're delicious to you. You know. Um, yeah. It all started with Twink and Eileen Reed. Did it? Do tell <laughs> yeah, us. Do tell us. Well, no, just in the panto. I remember going to the panto and just being like, I just thought they were the most like superhuman. You know. And even then, when I started making plays, like when 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 other people that you knew would get up and act. And I just, I couldn't cope with how amazing the whole thing was. It was, I think it was probably because it wasn't that, was I a lonely child? I certainly spent a lot of time alone mm. um, imagining, you know. And then when I found the theatre, I realised, oh, you could take that and be part of the world. <laughs> you could take that imagining and like be part of a community of imagining. Yeah. Or, or even better, be up in front of a load of people staring at you while you imagined. <laughs> but you, I, did, you did act at times. I did you? at the start, yeah. And I would again, it didn't, it wasn't, Enough for me, I think. Mm. Acting, um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't enough for me at the at the beginning. Like I, I, I knew, uh, yeah. So I, I, I didn't continue with it. Yeah. Um, but I, I've always loved it. I mean, I was one of the things I was regretful about was kind of we live in a country that's very compartmentalized about things. Like, well, I, you probably know a lot about that being about a writer and an actor and the difficulties mm. of of trying to be more than one thing in a world where people really don't want you to be more than one thing. No. Um, it, it, it can be, like, I, 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 while I went, I became, I think, good, I'm doing quote marks here, you can't see it through the microphone, <laughs> but um, I became good at directing while I was acting. Like, and, and I was learning a lot from acting while I was beginning directing, learning a lot about acting while I was directing. And then when I kind of became a theatre director in kind of the professional theatre in Ireland, um, it's very hard to act still. But but I do think my work would potentially be better if I did more of that. So it's a possibility. Um, it's not that I want to be like on stage in the Abbey doing it, but I, you know, 
I'd love to be in like a school in Donnymead <laughs> playing the ball in like the field <laughs> or something. But like just technically the, ex- the experience of having to do it in your body. Mm. You know, like often when I'm directing, I'm calling up memories from when I was in my twen- my early 20s to try and remember how it is to act. Now, I do a lot of running around in my bedroom yeah. uh, pretending to be things before, like, b- because I think it's important to... Well, I think one of the things that I love about acting, because uh, I spend a lot of time as a writer sitting at the desk yeah. and staring at and you you disappear from your body or you go up into your head. Whereas when I, I'm on stage on, in a play afterwards... I feel as if something has gone through my body. Yeah. Uh, not in a highfalutin, I no, other I person, but it, but I feel like something has actually moved through my body, which is and but it's something a, has. And it's a beautiful feeling, though. Yeah. If it's been a good night, it's a great feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not that I want that actually, because I, I I get something out of of, of 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 helping other people get to a situation where that happens. Like well, I think you're very pe- physical like, in the in the rehearsal room, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ah, like I don't want to be an actor or anything. I'm happy. I I just really enjoy acting, and I like uh, working with actors. And I and I and I and I feel like directing feels like a physical thing to do to me. Mm. You know, um, I like running around. I, one of the one of the things that has been a little bit regretful for me in my career is that in working so much at the Abbey in the gate, I can't work in the round as much as I used to when I first started out in project. Yeah. And I really like working in the round because it's you're fully alive on all sides. Yeah. You know, where people have to be and it's much more sculptural to direct in and, um, you know... It's so rarely done here. I, th- I think actors are terrified oh, I of I love it. it so much and it makes people better. They have to be much mm. more alive. Um and it's so much more the theatre do you know what I mean like there isn't really a frame you're in the room with people telling stories Um, and I do um, and I'm very flattered that you said that you think that I'd be thought of as an actor's director and I am a little bit aware of it Um, and and my relationships with the actors I work with are really very important to me Um, like I I, I cherish I cherish them but I do I love them and they're 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 kind of um, what I feed off in my life is is there's one thing there's a good thing that I would always say about a director or the best thing I can say about a director and there's only like especially yourself Annie Ryan I think is the same Mm -hmm. You won't allow us go on the stage looking like an idiot, <laughs> and, uh, but you, in that you'll always challenge and ask the difficult questions yeah, within yeah. the rehearsal space. And and I think that that's what an actor can do then within your rehearsal space is relax and go. Oh, right, okay, okay, let's play. I'm not going to look like an idiot. I'm never going to look like an idiot in this. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the things you do in the face <laughs> and how idiotic you frequently looked. look like. An idiot. Well, you know. To, uh, yellow body stock is probably the worst, but but there is that you know. But but even within that, it's, there's yeah. something glorious about being able to do that. And the same with the work with Annie Ryan, you you know, yeah, you bounce yeah. off walls a bit. But she's never she's going to ask you the difficult questions, and yeah, I yeah. I think that's ultimately I think within a rehearsal the 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 reason I like a rehearsal room and the reason I like your rehearsal mm-hmm. room is that play is in action. Yeah, and also I I feel a responsibility to the actors, and consequently I think they then feel a responsibility to me, and that's kind of the contract on which I think the, the, the things that are good about my work is built upon. Mm. You know? um, I, I suppose we're going to do this 
interview completely arseways in that I'm not going to ask you about your your childhood. No, I'm not going to ask you about your childhood. But I'm going to ask about your background and where where this desire to work within the theatre happened. You know, is there, can you say there was a point? Yeah, or, yeah, I, because I, your background is not, you know, you don't come from a lineage, a, a theatrical lineage or, although, you know, in the same way that I am, I've... I, we I'm, come from I'm our theatrical own, yeah, people. We, we have our mothers. <laughs> but they've never been on the stage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I, um, as far, like, so it's, it, you know, it's funny because you read your life backwards then from the point where, like, I'm a theatre director now, so I look back and I go, well, I always loved the theatre. But, but I mean, I, I never really went to the theatre or anything as a kid. It certainly wasn't something my family went to. I, I, I do have recollections of my mum and dad coming back from like the movies or or I think they went to see like Goodbye to Summer Hill or something. Is that like that? Goodbye to the Hill. Goodbye to the Hill. And I think they maybe went to see like, I think I'm pretty sure they went to see a Brendan Farrell play one time. And I would be like, tell me everything, everything that happened. <laughs> and um, I remember going to see like local pantos. And as I mentioned before, about drinking Eileen Reed, going to see Babes in the Woods in the gaiety and like these were really seminal moments in my life like I remember mm. it like I, and as a teenager going to see um, from the, watching DGOS's uh, production of La Boheme which may have been brilliant or may have not but I like it seared into my memory what it, what it was like just the idea of people singing like maniacs mm. about what they felt just felt more like life than anything I'd ever seen yeah. um, uh, so and, and as a kind of I guess you know as a little gay kid uh, I, I felt I was tempering my behaviours all the time and I was really aware of how other people behaved and how I wasn't like other boys and trying to be more like them. So I was really aware of performance all the time, of the performance of, of well, gender, I, I think well, gender particularly uh, in life. And and so it, I was always noticing it and interested in it and the idea of being able to perform something that, like to reveal yourself through a mask was very deeply attractive to me. So I always loved dressing up. Um, I, I think that's one of the things yeah. that especially uh, gay kids uh, maybe it's be lost now with, with equality and all that but that idea of damn equality, damn equality <laughs> uh, that idea of giving yourself away and watching yourself and performing yourself was something that I think is kind of unique to gay kids and, and Sure but I mean it's not only gay kids in the theatre it's all sorts of outsiders and they have those difficulties and they will always be outsiders and they will always be afraid of giving themselves away and you know um and and but but they were you know it was a huge part of people you were hidden you know mm. and you trained yourself to be a certain way and you're also constantly being told not to behave the way that you were so life felt like you had to play your way through it negotiate your way through it like in in your behaviors so in my head that's what I was doing but I saw a video <laughs> recently of me as a 12 year old and I'm I'm surprised the couch doesn't go on fire I'm so flaming but uh, so so they that so that's kind of that was going on and then um, when I was in my teens uh, when I was 15 I was in a musical Jesus Christ Superstar I was a musician and I was good at singing and um, so I ended up in that not so much because I wanted to be an actor and I loved being in that I mean I really loved being in it rather than being an actor in it like I, I loved I loved the singing and I loved just that we were all going to imagine the story together and working mm. like a fun kind of work I really I was in a lot of bands like 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 concert bands and orchestras and stuff and I, I really enjoyed making music with people because you played the clarinet the and clarinet. the saxophone I don't anymore but I did play the saxophone yeah. um, and uh, so 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 I did that and then I did more musicals then after that 
Although it was always the singing, like the acting was the thing, like they were the things you kind of had to get through till your next song. Mm. Um, but when I was finishing school, I had always wanted to be a painter and then kind of at the 11th hour, I was like, maybe I'll go to a university because I felt I really didn't want to be finished with books because I, I knew I was quite good at them. And, and you were fierce bright. At school, yeah. So uh, so I went to Trinity and did drama because I thought, oh, well, that's creative and I'd be near books. And, and at that point, had you seen plays beyond Eileen I came Regent? to see... Uh, a couple but largely because I wanted to come and do drama and Trinity so I thought I'd better go see some plays I had seen every movie about an actress wanted to be an actress like um, and I knew what backstage looked like um, in from musicals and so on uh, but uh, I came here to see my aunt Tina brought me to see um, The Importance of Being Earnest uh, at the Abbey in a Patrick Mason's production and I I, I saw um, I read a lot of plays I read Salome and I read Three Sisters. I didn't understand a word of it. Mm. Um, and I came, I went to see like Return to the Forbidden Planet and I saw 20 Grand by Declanese, but like really about 10 plays I saw. And most of them I came to see because I'd seen quite a few musicals. I'd seen like Blood Brothers like 15 times or something. Mm. Not 15 times, maybe three times. Uh, no, I kind of had a notion of what plays were really. And I just, I didn't even know how you would go to see a play. Like... Yeah, I just didn't know. I wouldn't have known where to look, where plays were on or something. Mm. So I, I can't see the importance of being honest because I recognised the title. It was only really when I went to Trinity I learned everything about plays. And did you have a... St- and know? I loved that. It was I was very lucky in that the course that I chose to do, chose to do, which wasn't an acting course, it was a course that was academic in which we could do quite a lot of acting and we also could learn to be directors and do a lot of stage backstage work and and also we're exposed to extraordinary materials and in the most amazing library. Um and it just super suited me. Like I just like and and also I was kind of I was like totally out about being and I moved out of home and it was just a magic time full of like late night chats and reading post-structuralism and drinking whiskey. And did you are there are there seminal moments within the theatre? I know you mentioned the, the, the early ones, but are there plays yeah, that you saw that you went, oh, my God, this is this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would they be? They were Medea here mm-hmm. um, in Deborah Warner's production with Fiona Shaw. Uh, a show called Tambor Sur le Dique, which means Drums on the Dike, by, uh, I think it's by Helen Sisu, but it was in a production uh, by, um, it was in a production by uh, Théâtre du Soleil by Arne Manouchkin in Paris. I saw that when I was about 20. Um, it it was, um, that was a real, a real important one for me. Um, uh, Genisi by Romeo Castellucci, which I saw in the Dublin Theatre Festival. There are a lot of them. Speak Bitterness by which was a kind of performance piece by Forced Entertainment that I saw quite early on Dance Let Lunasa here um, in it's like uh, like production of the like it's like the tenth version of the production that it, that was on I was mm. dragged along to see it I was a total theatre Nazi at the time it wasn't like seven Hungarians pissing in a book I just <laughs> really didn't want to see it and I was like oh I'll go along and I was Ball and crying when they danced, like ball and crying. I had to be like dragged out of the place. That's the best title for a play: Seven Hungarians pissing in a bucket. <laughs> um, Annie's uh, production of the seagull, uh, the seagull that you were in, yeah. um, was a huge game changer for me. The idea that you could have that much fun doing a classic, like, and that you could take something that was uh, dusty, uh, but had originally been really radical. Actually, still was really radical, but like academia and uh, the 
you know, people had stopped you from allowing, from seeing it, you could pick it up and go, it's always been there and it's so much fun and it's crazy and dark. And uh, that that was really, uh, seeing Annie's work really early on was, was, was a really big one. Mm. There, there are loads of them. Uh, so, yeah. There, I don't know if there was one where I was like, now I want to be a director. To be yeah. honest, the really seminal ones were when I made things myself and I was like, that's amazing. I'm going to be a director now. <laughs> <laughs> but it is doing it for yourself. It isn't seeing other, like... Uh, not that the work that I did was better. It it wasn't, in fact. But 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 rather, I was like, I can do and say something, and I should. So, you know, mm. because you can admire somebody else's work till the cows come home. But and 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 it's very important to be a reader and to be a brilliant reader, a reader of plays, like when I, or a reader of productions. Um, but that's one kind of artistic and imaginative work. The actual making of things is a very very different thing. Um. And, you know, it doesn't always go right. Yeah, Like, yeah, you yeah. can be brilliant at reading how plays aren't working out the way that they should be when you look at them. But making a play, you know... And it, do you like to, you know... Do you ever know when you're in the rehearsal room that this is going to be great or...? I've had experiences where I'm like, this is amazing. And they've hated it. <laughs> like, but I haven't necessarily changed my opinion on whether it was amazing or not. I've made work that has... To be honest, my work usually goes quite well, actually. But but I've done work that hasn't gone as well, where I've been like, what? Like, what? That was brilliant. <laughs> you know, brilliant. Uh, where you are, are really, or if not brilliant, I never really feel it was brilliant, but like, I'm really doing something there. Some, there's really something on offer for you to see. And I've made work where I've been like, oh, I don't know that I really turned up as much as I could in that. That has been hugely successful. And... Mm. Um, and then sometimes I've made work where I've been like, this is really great and it's really hit off with audiences in exactly the same way. But it isn't, there is no, f- it, it, what I feel like about the work isn't always exactly what audiences will feel like. Mm-hmm. But then I think it's very important what I feel like about the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, as a final sort of coda to our, our lovely conversation, um, where to from here? I mean, what do you feel that you're in the middle of a, a phase in your career or that you're coming to the end of something and, and that, that Oedipus represents something that you're striving towards or? Uh, I feel, well, you know, my time at the Abbey has been really related to Felix's time at the Abbey, which is coming to an end. Uh, so to that end, I feel like something is definitely coming to an end for me and uh, I certainly threw myself into a kind of year of making kind of really, really canonical work, like work that's really at the centre of of the canon and even of the Irish, like, educational canon. Um, and that is definitely over. Like, I'm done after this. Um, I, I'm kind of in a lucky situation where I can create a bit of space now to have a think about what it is I want to do next and how I want to do it. Um, I certainly have achieved a lot of things I wanted to achieve when I left university. So I think it's probably, um, I, I have a responsibility now to find bigger dreams and chase them. I'm on that splendid <laughs> note. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> you you landed it. It was really superb. Thank you very much, Mark. I really appreciate Thank you, that. Wayne. I appreciate it too. <laughs>